0: This is Jim Semivan, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast.
1: I'd like to thank Partner Hero for sponsoring this episode. The world over, outsourcing can get a pretty bad reputation, seen to be exploitative and providing low quality service. That's why Partner Hero's values-based approach raises the bar for the outsourcing industry by investing in employee empowerment and career growth, paying above average market salaries and maintaining a focus on quality and performance. Offering flexible terms and the ability to scale quickly, which is perfect for startups, quality assurance is baked into every program also with offices around the world so partner hero can offer a truly global coverage including onshore nearshore and offshore options i know right now in the ufo community we are all waiting for a delayed report that we feel a certain organization could certainly benefit from partner Hero's assistance i myself worked for outsource companies growing up and had wildly differing experiences facing many of the challenges that outsource work brings That's why Partner Hero's ethics and value-based approach really appeal to me and will to anyone looking to scale up their fast-growing business. So, if you are ready to bring in outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com forward slash that UFO to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from That UFO podcast and they'll waive the setup fee. Hi everyone and welcome to That UFO Podcast. That's really weird, isn't it? But I'm leaving that in. (laughs) I don't usually play the audio clips and I've just done it before we record. I usually put those in after. That's still really weird to do. But yeah, hi, Andy here. Yep, it's That UFO Podcast. That's the the intro. Uh, Dan is joining me, laughing in the background. Dan, welcome. Hi, hi. Nice to be here. Where is here, Dan? Because is this video going out on YouTube for, for people to see your background?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm so I'm at my uh, mom's house. She's having some work done at the moment um yeah so everything's kind of messy behind me uh, at some point you might see a dog come down the stairs um but i'll introduce you to meg everyone loves oh. a good puppy so <laughs> excuse me that's
1: not his mum. um <laughs> and uh that's also why dan's audio sounds a little bit different because he's, he's recording on the fly today and it's going to be a, a shorter one than normal because this is more of an update on the delayed uh, uap task force report the arrow report the aoi msg report the, the ufo report i don't know what people are even calling it these days
2: i don't even Remember, Dan? Uh, what was last year's? The preliminary assessment on UAP. That's what it was called. So I, I guess a second assessment on UAP, maybe?
1: <laughs> someone someone tagged me in a bit earlier just saying, can we get rid of all this UAP nonsense and just UFO for the win? I was like, yeah, it's the UFO report. That's it. Yeah, like, let's just
2: say UFO.
1: That, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> I, so yeah, it'll be a shorter update just on, on delays and potential reasons it's been delayed when we may expect it to come out. Um, and also there'll be an interview at the end of this, uh, a short form interview similar to when I had Jay from Project Unity on with Tom and John. From Estimate of the Situation, the new graphic novel based on true UFO events, which you may have heard if you're on the premium stuff. If not, check it out again. It's a short interview, but those guys were really good as well. So stick around for that at the end. But Dan, yeah, so on the 31st of October, we expected the unclassified portion of the whatever the UFO task force was or is still, headed up by Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, to have an unclassified version released for public consumption. Um, So on the day, Everyone was hitting the refresh buttons over and over, weren't they? I think John Greenwald went through 12 keyboards, from what it seems like. (laughs) Uh, Many, many others like yourself are refreshing all day to try and get that scoop, try and get in there first, and nothing. It went dead silent. That was the Friday. Uh, No, 31st of October was the Monday. We'd kind of hoped it may have been out on the Friday to that end of the Newsweek cycle. But yeah, so nothing on the Monday. Halloween came and went. Uh, All tricks, No treats. And the, the week went on and the they say, as people, you know, with the, the rumors, they, they, they yes, they online um, were telling us that it was going to be any day. It was coming out. It was coming out. And here we are almost two weeks later and still no UFO, UAP task force report. um And that's why we have kind of stayed away from, I mean, you put your countdown on, Dan, but your countdown was literally to this is the date it's meant to be released. That's it. Yeah um but we stayed away from the whole you know oh it should be out tomorrow I've heard sources say because sources were telling us nothing about when it was going to be out that was it so I'm sure people have wonderful sources I'm sure their sources are spot on some of the time but sources it seems can be wrong and it's just a case of you know just wait and see it's it's meant to have been out it didn't come out so first off Dan what what's the scuttlebutt what are we hearing that it's not came out
2: so basically, governmental red tape in a nutshell. Um, I called ODNI, who are actually publishing the report. That's where the report was hosted last year. If you look at the DNI website, it's up there. So I thought, oh, I'll just get in touch with the people who are publishing it and see see what they say. Um, and yeah, it's just it's going through a number of approval checks. All the different people need to sign off on it. And it's just a bit delayed. Um, there were rumors that it was submitted and sent back for rewrites and things like that. That's not true. It just hasn't been submitted yet. It's just not ready. Uh, it'll be with us when it's with us. But it is coming, so so don't fret that it's just disappeared into the ether, into that, you know, that abyss that has been going since the 1940s. Listeners and our
1: viewers, whatever you may clash yourself as, uh, in the US will know you've had big midterm elections on just now. And the US are very much into their politics, as the kids say on the MySpace and the Bebo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's taken up a lot of airtime. So... I can see why this wouldn't have been top of the priority or agenda for many news networks anyway, or, or within the U S this wasn't a top priority to be released, regardless of your interest in the UFO subject. It was probably some, some bad timing from our point of view, some good timing for other points of view, but I would hasten to say this is likely to be nothing sinister in terms of what's coming out, because even if this did come out by the 31st, Dan, is it fair to say we, we talked about our expectations you're not going to get bombshell stuff coming out in this report. It's still baby steps in terms of it's six months, seven months into Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick heading up this task force. And it's not a lot of time. And if people remember back to the first report that came out, Christopher Mellon, Lou Elizondo, Sean Cahill, and others who were doing the the big news media at the time, were telling the mainstream news that, you know, it's not a lot of time, three months, six months, a year two or three years are really what's needed at a minimum to produce a comprehensive report. So this is very much the the first baby steps and foundations for what would be future future reports that might be a bit meatier and more to build on, not to say there won't be some interesting things in there, which we can talk about at least one or two things, but it's still temper your expectations, folks, and, and don't get bought into conspiracy he- conspiracy theory territory here, I would say.
2: Yeah, I, I would completely agree. Like we we've heard tidbits from places like the New York Times and you know, it seems at the moment to be very much kind of a glass half-full, glass half-empty approach. Uh the the word is that there are over 350 cases, half are solved, half are unsolved. But you know, that's a choose your own adventure type thing, right? Uh we, we always expected half of them to be solved or a lot of them to be solved. That that's not what we're here for. We're here for the more anomalous stuff. Um, so we'll probably just end up getting a list of stats and it's us to, up to us to dig through. We have to remember that this office is funded till 2026 as per the NDAA that was signed into law by Biden last year. So this is really chapter two of a five, six chapter document that will be historic by the time we're finished. And I, I think the the more encouraging part is that once they put this out, We'll get a response from officials through legislation, closing loopholes and things like that. Uh, we're already seeing advancement in that regard. This report won't, uh, if you know, we've spoken about language for this year's NDAA uh, on the show before. And there are certain requirements that they're kind of saying specifically, hey, we're not interested in stuff that's man-made. If it's man-made, give it to the correct department and carry on looking at the more anomalous stuff. That won't apply to this report. That will be passed this year and that will apply to next year's report. So I would say very much, you know, expect almost last year's report, kind of a, a redux version. Um, we'll, we'll get no doubt a lot in there, but it'll be a do-over essentially because we've had a completely clean house, someone else taking charge, like you said. And and yeah, they haven't been writing this report since the 1940s. They've been writing it since March and it, it's not a lot of time to, to tackle it.
1: Yeah, the number of reports floating about online from many sources were 366. You say they are over 350. Um, And you mentioned the New York Times article that came out from one Julian Barnes seemed to hint at some of the content being half of those reports have been solved and are uh, the, as per the New York Times article headline at the time, as I scroll, scroll, scroll to the top, many military UFO reports are just foreign spying or airborne trash. That's that's fair anyway. That's, that's what most people would yeah. imagine a lot of this stuff is potentially. But to your point, Dan, you said if even half of one thing or half of the other, let's just say if there were 366 reports to come out and say 365 of them have actually been solved are balloons, um, Chinese and Russian drones, our own technology being misidentified, uh, misidentified planes, weather phenomena. Um, so yeah, we've, we've solved 365 of them. I mean, there was this one that we cannot, you know, even contemplate what it was doing. And it shot off an incredible rate of speed toward Mars. But, you know, hey-ho, 365 of them have been solved. <laughs> that's that's fine. Let, let's talk about that one. And this is what we're trying to get at, that it doesn't matter how many are solved. And that's why I thought the tone from Julian Barnes, who is a New York Times journalist, the guy's not a hack, you know, well, I say that, I don't know, but I imagine that's the pinnacle of journalism. The New York Times is is pretty high up there. So to to go, so I'm going to be quite posh here, Dan, and try this in a Scottish accent, but so <laughs> lays, on, lays on fae with with his writing in terms of just throwing out, you know, ah, half of them are solved and it's just rubbish. Yeah, but it's the other half, you know, yeah. Again, if a movie goes up for 10, 10 Oscars and only wins five of them, they're not going to walk away disappointed. They're going to talk about the five Oscars they won this is you're
2: you're good with your analogies man that's that's a really good way of putting it (laughs)
1: analogies for days unless it's harry potter first editions dan in which case it doesn't work (laughs) um peek behind the actors cutting there but yeah so julian barnes had that article and that that upset a lot of people because i think we've come even though there's only actually been two or three new york times articles since 2017 on the ufo subject in a serious big way um people have come to expect big things or you know the famed crash retrieval article and then this one dropped and it was a little bit of a wind out of the sails for some people wasn't it
2: yeah 100 percent. everyone was expecting explosive things and actually this this article was really conservative and for me the disappointing thing is you know fine chinese drones are, are spying on sensitive american uh locations that's a huge story. That should be the headline, you know. the 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 airspace is insecure, whether you are looking at drones or whether you are looking at UFOs. And I'll just say that uh, before the midterms, as well, Obama put out a uh, just a little video, kind of telling people to go vote. And he rounded up the the ten things in the past couple of years that the Democrats has done. And I think it was number four was he he said the UFO report. Sorry, I mean UAP report. So that's Obama giving us permission to use UFO instead of UAP. But the fact that it was there means that they're kind of, you know, no one votes on this, but they're pushing it as an issue. And even when Julian Barnes article came out, there were so many articles in response to that through like NBC, through Fox, through other places that it just goes to show that so many people are paying attention to this now. It's not going away. Even if Julian Barnes writes an article that kind of puts a downer on the whole thing, it doesn't matter. Like the the train is rolling and, and it's going to go forward, you, you know? Uh, pay attention to which way the wind is blowing as opposed to the word of one person.
1: Yes. And as I've learned, Dan, in two and a half years of doing this, we are not politically affiliated with any parties. Um you've you've mentioned a few of the Democratic candidates there. And to be fair, this did also come to fruition during former President Trump's time. So it's gone from the Obama times and obviously way before that, but you you've cited Obama to, to Trump to Biden and it's still carrying on. So really we hope it is that bipartisan issue that that multiple parties can get behind as well. So don't be throwing
2: hate our way. Um <laughs> worth mentioning as well that uh, the midterms are kind of over now and all of the people who've been talking about UFOs like Gallagher, Gallejo, Marco Rubio, yeah. Gillibrand, all these people, they're still in office. They didn't lose their place. So all of kind of I would say the allies to this UFO cause, they're all still in place and they're all still going to be pushing this going forward.
1: Yeah, so in terms of the report, um, not much has changed. Dan, then, and you're thinking it's going to come out. I mean, it's it, it's unlikely to come out today, isn't it? We record we are recording this on the tenth of November, uh, which is around four p.m. UK time, which is twelve p.m. Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific, I believe, because of the time difference. Just now, so we would have had the announcement of the the press press junket and stuff like that for for announcements is it's probably not going to come out today and the likelihood would be if it does come out this week it would be tomorrow anyway we've kind of thought but right now there's no indication it's going to be tomorrow or next week
2: should we let, let's let pick a day each and whoever loses will give a five it's charity um I, i'm gonna go for next oh well a week tomorrow i would say
1: i'm gonna go tomorrow friday 11th tomorrow cool nice yeah my, sor- <laughs> my sources tell me no i'm joking uh, <laughs> i really hope it comes out now so people get all thing over that yeah um i did ask last week how people were feeling online on social media about the report being delayed and um, i asked are you frustrated the uep task force report still hasn't been released and that was on the 4th of november 64 percent said yes 13 percent said no 19 percent said a little and the rest said other and left a comment, and the comments, are, as you would expect, uh, a list uh, the general sarcasm from from many of the regulars. So thanks for that, and also <laughs> a lot of folks are saying they're not. I think generally they're they're not surprised. A mix of elections going on, just a little bit of conspiracy, not not in a totally out there way, but you know because of the subject, because of the stigma. Of course, they're going to delay it. They're trying to to kind of derail things a little bit, and I I can get that. I can totally get that.
2: Um, we, that, that's yeah. interesting, actually, because, yeah, during the midterms, they could have buried it. We thought they were going to bury it over a weekend. And actually, the midterms have passed now. So there's going to be more of a spotlight on it if it comes out now. So that, it, you know, the argument goes both ways. It's going to be really interesting to see the reaction once this actually drops.
1: Uh- Dan, time for a quick listener question that was sent to me literally as I was waiting on you coming on to the, the recording oh, cool. <laughs> um, from Brian Lemery. Brian's been a long-time Patreon. Uh, Brian asks, Andy, why do you think we don't hear about abductions as much anymore? It peaked from the 50s to the 90s, then dropped off. Anything to do with the introduction of the camera phone? I'm sure I talked about this a little bit with uh, Jay, Christopher did, King yeah. and James Iandoli. So, if you'd missed that one, Brian, go back and check that out because obviously they're members of the Experiencer Group. J. Christopher King's one of the founders, um, and they're coming back on in a few weeks to talk about their upcoming uh, Anomalous Inquiry Conference. It's happening on December third. Dan, you'll be out there with Graham Rendell again, yeah. Um, and we'll talk. We've talked about that, and maybe we'll talk about that again. However, yeah, for me, I think partly, and I'm just going to think out loud here, Dan. 50s to the 90s especially from that 80s to 90s period the ufo subject was confined largely given there was no social media to to magazines newsletters and vhs videotapes that were available in hmv and all that kind of stuff
2: oh, well to with, vhs just for the people that are listening who it was might like not know. it was like betamax <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah yeah thanks um I think it was confined to the mainstream. One of the portrayals of the UFO subject was people get abducted and probed. People get abducted and operated on. You know, that that was just one of the things. And I think as social media has kind of taken off and we've, we've started exploring all these different facets and ideas in the UFO topic, I think that one just dropped off, not to say it doesn't happen. And I think that's something that if you listen to, to any of the interviews I've done, God, was it earlier this year now and this is before the summer with some of the experiencers? I had a few a few weeks where I had different interviews with a few members of the experiencer group. If you go back and listen to some of their stories, these are people who are telling you this is happening to them still now. It's just still not an accepted aspect of anything. And again, God, I want to say, Dan, if, I, if I've put it to you, do you remember the guest I spoke to that talked about how there, are, there aren't many facets of society left where you can claim to have been, was it Whitley Strieber actually, where he Whitley talked Schreiber. about being, uh, being raped, which is essentially yeah. what his claim is with his, his experience and he says, you know, I I had a doctor examine me and say I'd basically been raped and if I say in any society that X, Y or Z done it, it's a very serious thing, it's a crime, It's it's reported, you get support, you get help but if you say it was a non-human intelligence, an out-of-body experience, an alien being, it's a laugh, and it's not treated seriously, and it still happens. So, yeah, it's a really complicated and complex conversation still, I think, isn't it? Um, what What do you think, Dan?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with everything you say there. What it brings to mind um, Missing 411. I know they've got a documentary coming out about the UFO connection, and that's yes. all about basically people going missing in sites around America, usually near caves or kind of underground systems in national parks. And a lot of people have drawn comparisons between abductions and a lot of those experiences. So with their third third movie, they're diving headfirst in and seeing what the connections are. Um, I I would also say that, you you know, there are clearly people out there, like you say, that, that are experiencing these things. But also maybe we don't hear about it so much because they've just gotten better at taking people. You know, I've said before, what what if people aren't coming back anymore to tell their stories? Uh, we've got to consider it, as crazy as it sounds.
1: I think even if you take a, a similar type of discussion, especially in the past from a point of view when there was no social media, when people would claim to be the second coming of Christ or a reincarnated spirit, you know, that on social media now, because of the volume of people on social media is amplified and it's just you see so much stuff now, you're exposed to so much more than you used to be, just as a person with the advent and uptake of social media, if you're on there, that I think you you become desensitized to it as well, and you just scroll past it. Oh, someone's claiming to be abducted. Oh, someone saw a UFO. Someone's posted a video, probably CGI, and you can just miss really really obvious things because of hoaxes because of fake stories because of lack of context and information and i think it's just a a symptom of the kind of times we live in but if you've missed those brian or or um anyone else go back and listen to those experiencer stories Uh, and especially if you listen to james and jay's interview from a few weeks ago with myself and try and catch the repeat of their conference or even the one that Dan and Graham are going out to on the 3rd of December, which has Christopher Mellon as a headliner with Leslie Kane and others. I think that'll be definitely right up your street in terms of the, Mm -hmm. the abduction conversation definitely has its place within, within that setting um, and and those people involved.
2: I I had uh, the pleasure of having a a bit of a talk with the experience group this past Sunday and I, I would highly recommend if people are interested in these experiences and, and talking to people who talk about them sincerely and seriously. Uh, you know, join, join up to the group, go talk to them. They're, they're a real nice bunch, a real welcoming bunch. There is no judgment; it's just discussing what's on the table, very frankly. You know, almost like at the moment, you know, publicly, the nuts and bolts conversation is happening. Uh, they're very much having the same tone of conversation, but about experiences and abduction. So, so I'd highly recommend uh, popping along to the experiencer group and meeting those guys
1: cool i would hope to be back with dan recording tomorrow for uh, a breaking news pod discussing the dropping of the report um it might be tomorrow it might be the following friday it could be something in between or after we just don't know but and when that does drop we'll be straight with you with an update on that folks and what is actually contained within the report i will leave you now with uh the guys from estimate of the situation a graphic novel based on the ufo phenomenon dan you picked up a copy from the guys at comic con over in new york i'm waiting on my copy being posted to me and i believe Uh, you're gonna love it yeah the link is in the description i've had the digital copy so i've read through that and you can still buy a copy of the issue number one and issue number two is coming out soon but the link is in the description as with everything everything else we've talked about on this pod and i'll hand over to tom orzakowski orzachowski orzakowski you'll hear what about that right at the start of the interview and john zoitis so dan thanks for joining us
2: Thank you. And uh, yeah, in, enjoy the interview with, with the guys that are making that graphic novel. It's awesome. Here they are.
1: Babel is one of today's sponsors, and they are the best way for you to begin to learn a new language. Immersing yourself in the language of your choice from day one through a whole range of learning styles, including podcasts, games and online classes. It's available on desktop or through their app. Babbel's courses are created by didactics, experts and focus on real life situations. So if you're holidaying in France and spot a UFO, you can get locals attention quickly and efficiently. The lessons are as short as 15 minutes and fit into any schedule and can be downloaded to work on offline while on the go. With the help of everyday dialogue exercises and the speech recognition software, learners can practice their pronunciation and regular vocabulary repetition ensures that what is learned is memorised over the long term. I can already hear some of you listeners getting in touch to tell me I should really learn English given my dodgy accent. When you buy a six-month subscription to Babbel, you receive six months extra for free by using the code AUDIO1. That's A-U-D-I-O-1, the number one. Pay for six months and learn for a whole year. Get info and redeem the code at babbel.com forward slash audio. Folks, today is the day you finally decide to make a life-changing decision and learn that new language. Joining me now on this week's breakdown are the authors of Estimate of the Situation, the fantastic graphic novel recently launched for you to purchase and buy. I've got my copy already virtually and it is fantastic and I really wanted to speak to both authors on the podcast. Finally joining me after a couple of reschedules all on my part are Tom Orzakovsky and join Zoitis. Oh wait, Orzachowski. I fucked it up, didn't I?
0: It's fine, dude. I fuck up my own name.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, yeah. Okay. I might even just leave that in. Tom Orzachowski and John Zoitis, after I have just literally asked you how to pronounce that, uh, says the guy called McGrillan that no one can pronounce. So, Um, And I also have to mention it is beautifully illustrated as well by Ezekiel Anastasia. So, yeah, I have to get that in there because it does look phenomenal. Uh, Welcome, both of you, to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thank you for having us
0: yeah man happy to be here uh it's been It's been a long time, and uh we're just like we're finally happy to have that out in the wild.
1: Yes, um, listen, I'm going to read the synopsis first because this isn't just any old graphic novel or book on UFOs and, and it's really interesting. So, based on declassified documents and extensive historical research, estimate of the situation as an exploration into the beginning of the UFO phenomenon and the US military's response in the wake of World War II and the growing threat of Russian aggression. Sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? Um, Following the trend of smarter sci-fi and dynamic approach to storytelling, estimate of the situation delivers a fascinating, mysterious, and compelling story while staying true to our historical understanding of the UFO phenomenon. Tom, let's kick off for yourself. Where did this whole idea come from?
0: Man, um, where to start? So, I, I mean, I feel like it started with just me kind of like peeling peeling back documents and trying to figure out what happened in that time period because I kept coming across conversations with people. And, you know, like when you, when you believe something and you're not necessarily equipped to talk about it, the conversations you have kind of, they, they falter quite a bit. So I, I went back to like the beginning. I wanted to find out what happened in the beginning, how did this phenomenon get started? You know, when we know Kenneth Arnold kind of set it off, but how did the government respond? And like, is there something to it? So as I, you know, dug deeper and deeper, I, um, I got really enamored with Project Sign, which was the first government inquiry into the UFO phenomenon. Um, and it just there, there was just like a compelling story in there in, in a team of like engineers, intelligence officers, scientists who really, uh, you know, as McCoy would later say, like, like this was the one of the most serious studies into the UFO phenomenon by the government. Like they threw everything they had at it to find out the answer and it's an interesting kind of a uh, journey because they go through this journey of okay well you know is this a domestic project it's not a domestic project are these russians you know under the the, the backdrop of this cold war that was forming so that kind of you know had them running around for a year but they ultimately came to this conclusion that okay it's not domestic it's not russians but it's out there and it's not one of ours right and that whole journey of these engineers and intelligence officers investigating this and coming to what was known as like what the extraterrestrial hypothesis um, I thought was very compelling. And I just, I couldn't believe that, you know, no one really talks about this because this is our own government who funded this and came to this conclusion, which later caused some trouble like over at the Pentagon. Um, and once we found out there was a compelling story there, I mean, we're, me and John, we're, 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 we're storytellers. Like this is kind of like what we do. We've been doing our whole life. And, you know, this was the first project where I think, so we've been trying to work on something together for a while where I think there was a, a passion into into like really like digging into their research and finding out what happened and turning that into a uh, into a narrative story using the characters, using the dates, using the events. Right. So uh, that's how it got started. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, John has a really interesting take, too, because John, unlike me, uh wasn't necessarily a believer in a lot of this. And once he dug into the research, now he'll tell you like, all right, Tom, I still don't agree with you on some things, but something definitely fucking happened, you know? Um, and I'll, <laughs> I'll just, I'll lead that uh, to John.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't have a strong opinion one way or another. I wasn't in the UFO lore like Tom was. I mean, it was always, we've had conversations about it in the past, but, um, you know, he basically brought me the, idea of the project and he had already sketched, he already gotten some art done and basically had a, had a rough issue written. And so I came on and um, yeah, I guess I came from a more objective point of view just cause I, I hadn't been, this is all new to me. Um, but yeah, the more I read my original inclination, my intuition was, okay, there's probably an explanation for these things. Um, and then the more you look into it, the more complicated it becomes. And then it becomes, exceedingly obvious that, uh, these things were flying around, uh, something that no, virtually no one denied. I mean, that, that isn't what this story is about is the government. Well, there's public denial, but certainly internally, there's no denial that these things were real, uh, where the denial and the, uh, confusion and the disagreements come in as to what these things actually are. Um, and you know, there are conclusions that, uh, are diametrically opposed within uh the military during this time i mean there's a reason why so it's about like tom mentioned project sign it takes place basically over a year and a half Mm -hmm. right from kenneth arnold's uh first ufo sighting which wasn't the first but it was the one that sparked the uh cultural phenomenon um to when project sign ended uh you know not a very you know project sign was only technically established not long before it ended and it ended for specific reasons um, that obviously yeah. we'll get into. Don't give too much away. But basically, uh, there were certain conclusions that uh, certain people disagreed with.
1: <laughs> so what, what what you've both done was uh, use legitimate documents and a true story to, to base your work on. It would have been very easy for you, especially in, in a first issue, to have little green men, flying saucers. <laughs> Action Mm. panels. Was there ever a thought to do that, or was it always the idea that no, it's going to be straight to the point. It's going to be factual based. My friend Graham Rendell, who who writes a lot of historical deep dive books into the UFO history back in the forties and fifties, would would absolutely love the the you've stuck to your guns on this. Was there ever the notion to move away from that and get a little bit Independence Day?
0: That's that's a really good question. I I think in the beginning it was pretty much kind of like. Okay, this uh, the phenomenon, the UFO phenomenon specifically, has been represented in media. I think really poorly. You know, you always have like this cheesy X Files music. You have you know, these big bug alien Independence Day invasions, like you're talking about. So, I personally wanted to make something that I wanted to read and watch. And for me, that's something rooted in you know historical accuracy, um, really tells you the story, the people involved. So that we never wanted to deviate away from that, and. There's one scene in issue one where, you know, it, it it stretched a little bit to the max where we would absolutely stretch a scene behind what happens behind closed doors, and uh, that was a point of contention for for a little bit. But like th- that was a welcome point of contention because now you know, like we're we have these principles and we have these standards, so it's nice to to kind of stick by our guns, like you said. I mean, it, it's just it's so easy to, to again include gr- like little green men and, and all these like far off like like crazy invasion ideas, but uh, that's just not interesting to me, you know? And I I don't think that's interesting to John either. It's, it's the actual, like the story itself is so, it's so bizarre and compelling. You don't need to exaggerate, which is, you know, blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's not even a matter
3: of not having enough uh, to talk about it's having too much and trying to focus in on the most important basically checkpoints which drives uh, the length of time that we're covering. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of Little Green Men, I mean, for example, like, you know, Roswell happens during this time. We don't tackle Roswell head on, but it's really hard to, it would be really hard because just to jump ahead a little, like we're thinking about doing, tackling Roswell specifically after this. It would be really hard to tackle Roswell without jumping to con- con- conclusions, potentially mm. crazy ones in order to tell that story. But this story, because we're able to come, we're able to tell it from the perspective of these uh, military people, these engineers, uh, these scientists who are basically going, you know, the the sense is to go through their eyes, is to see it through their eyes, because they are also trying to figure out what's going on. So we're with them in on the mystery, as opposed to actually trying to tell a mystery like, you know, Hey, here's a mystery. We're going to give you the answer to the mystery. Um, so we do. And like Tom said, I, I find that's the more compelling story to tell too. Um, obviously we got to take certain creative liberties cause we don't know what these guys talked about. And what's interesting too, is some of these guys, you would think there'd be more information on them. Uh, and there's not, no. we have to do a lot of digging for some of them, even though like a few of these guys, uh, were very important. In uh, world, like very heavily involved in Operation Paperclip. Paperclip, for example, are essentially a star of the series. Alfred Ludding was a brilliant rocket engineer. I mean, like just uh, among the most brilliant they had in the military working for them. A uh, civilian engineer, one of the first actually civilian engineers that the military uh, hired. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we have the. Um, it's just it's just incredible how little we tend to know about them. Almost as if uh, the History has been either hidden or suppressed or not well told, so we're trying to correct the record on that. But for the uh, most yeah, part, I wanna... yeah, the idea is it being a, a fact based story as much as we can be.
0: Yeah, I just want to jump off that real quick and like give a shout out to Wendy Connors who she passed away earlier this year, where she was one of the old school researchers who like literally like I was. You know, we hit up a bunch of like, quote unquote, OG researchers to kind of figure out the details of the story and the people involved. And Wendy Connors was one of them. And we had a bunch of email correspondences with each other where she sent me an archive of uh, interviews that she had done with Alfred Ludding's son, you know, and even like uh, Albert Dyerman's son. Right. So the sons of the people involved with Project Sign talking about their fathers and what they knew and what they heard. Um, so th- th- that's like kind of the extent of of just the uh, the research that we uh, were doing, but like, you know, without these people, it'd be impossible. Cause like, we're using so many resources from people who have completed the historical record. And for me, that's really important because, you know, we want people to read this and walk away with an idea of what happened and who was involved. Cause this is such a, I mean, I think it's an amazing point in time, you know, for not just art history, but like the UFO phenomena in general, like it, it's, to me, it's still kind of crazy how people don't talk about it as much, you know, when this was just all over the country at the time.
1: You're talking about a time that was like you're seven or eight decades away from social media being the, the the conglomerate or the monster that it is. And some of these folks would have probably been on social media had it been of the time. And people maybe don't realize how lucky they are having the heads of of serious government UFO programs available to DM now on Twitter or speak to on Instagram or to Reddit AMAs. And some people don't know what they've got with that sort of access until until it's not there. And I think that's the mystique sometimes of some of these these people that they are so elusive and mysterious and their backgrounds are just they're just not there because there wasn't the same records kept. There was no computerization. There was no twitter or there was no forums to discuss this in, so it's it's stuff that you really have to dig into and drag up and i think it's what's really interesting is that the medium that you're using is isn't widely used at all to reach that ufo audience sure there's there's kind of superhero comics and there's alien based comics and all that kind of stuff but a real serious approach that you guys are using with the graphic novel slash i'll say comic format do you think this can catch the imagination of an audience or demographic that others haven't yet uh, and what i mean by that hopefully is i'm i'm getting us a point across can you pull people into the ufo subject maybe like john who didn't have an interest before or do you think it's going to primarily be aimed at the folks who already have that interest
0: i mean my hope is for for the latter i mean for both right we want people who who know this subject to to really be like oh wow let me sink my teeth into this and they'll come away with like hopefully a better understanding of what happened also just be entertained with a compelling story but yeah part of it is and i hate using the word trojan horse but um it's a way to trojan horse this kind of information into like hopefully a wider appeal where now you see you know like every three years or so that the buzz kind of comes up someone sees them some, like a nimitz video gets released or there's a congressional hearing and people start getting interested and really like when they do what are the resources that they have to kind of go and, and find out more about something like this right so i'm hoping to to really kind of capture a wider appeal of even if we start with sci-fi fans something like that and then for them to read this and come away thinking holy shit that happened let me go let me go actually double check that they said that you know there's this document here that says this this and this let me go see if i can google that or research it or find it myself and lead them down their own rabbit hole you know which i think ultimately for me is would be awesome um and i think like you know like john said earlier uh we just want people to enjoy like a really compelling story you know, yeah, and just jumping off that. I mean,
3: uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is part of why I think we find this period of time so interesting, and why we're telling the story in the way in which we are. It's the idea of bringing on people who might either be s- uh, skeptical or not have an opinion on the UFO phenomenon, and we're not stuffing our conclusions, what we may feel, down their throat. I mean, just to be full disclosure, I still don't know what these are. Um, but at very least, or I still uh, should say, obviously no one does to an extent, but I, I don't have a strong opinion on what they are. I have ideas, but I'm not necessarily leaning one way or another. But even the idea of being skeptical of whether these sightings are real, those are the type of people that I think reading this story can really find a, a, a compelling narrative that can actually draw them in. And then for the UFO community already, people in that community hopefully you know, we do, we'll do right by the history and they'll see that. Yes. Um, but also maybe they have skeptical friends, family, and be like, okay, listen, I'm not going to tell you a spiel or give you a story about, you know, the green aliens walking around, but why not take a look at this book or this story, um, which takes a more measured back brace approach and tell you what, uh, tell me what you think. Um, so I think Tom is right. It is a bit of a Trojan horse in that way um, where uh, we're trying to be skeptical too. I mean that's the idea. We're coming from a from a place of skepticism when we're telling this story. Uh, we're not trying to take anything for granted, um, which is why we've done so much research. Um, uh, John, I yeah. can,
1: I can respect that that you've you've not made a, a decision yet. And to be fair, I I haven't. And my my own opinion changes and is very fluid. And I would always recommend to anyone you know listen to everyone, but make up your own mind is what I try and say to folks. Uh, and depending on the time time of the year and maybe some of the stuff that's floating about online and maybe the narrative other people are kind of going at and you you hear different people's opinions and it makes you go ah maybe it is more of this or maybe it is some of this or actually i've never considered option e or f or g before it's always been a b or c and that that's that's a really interesting thing and what i love about the subject as well that it doesn't have to be one thing and it can be what you make of it as well and right now not many people if anyone actually do know um so that's, that's the beauty of this subject, I think, and what people can sometimes forget to fall out of love with it a little bit. But I, I wanted to talk about feedback on the initial issue. And just I just literally came across this a few minutes ago. Chase Howard, who does some producing for the Roswell Daily Record podcast um, and others, uh, put some lovely feedback for you and just finished EOTS underscore comic, which is your Twitter handle. And it lives up to the hype. When does the next one come out? Seriously going to read through it a few more times to catch all the details. Love the artwork and the way the story is told. Interesting that they've seen it and read it as it's layered. There's so much information within there. Is that something that you both planned in writing that you wanted people to maybe find little Easter eggs or things are going to miss first time round and they can dive back in and kind of get that second and third reading out of it?
0: Yeah. I mean, we even, we included, uh, like, you know, copies of real documents in there, like the Kenneth Arnold report, the Armstrong report. Um, and like we we will mention certain things along the way where people do pick up again, they can take that piece of information, research it even further and go down this, this, this whole rabbit hole. And, you know, like the feedback has been, you know, thank God it's, it's been great. Uh, I mean, there's a, we were a little nervous sending it out there, you know, and, um, You know, feedback at Comic Con was great. People, I I think, are really hungry for something that, again, takes a more measured approach. Like John was saying, uh, something that like doesn't shove an opinion down their throat, but says, "Hey, take a look at this because this is Mm. a little strange, right?" Um, And just people like on Twitter, you know, uh, honestly, like a lot of our sales have come from Twitter, and people just they like it. They seem to like it. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad because I know the expectation sometimes is when you get open up a UFO book, you want the UFO over you know, the, the Capitol building or something like that, you know, and this is not that. So it's, uh, it's really relieving to kind of just, just kind of hear that, uh, I would say like good feedback, you know, it makes it, and it makes us want to do more, you know, at the same time. So like, I mean, the second issue comes out in the, um, middle of December. That's what we're aiming for. We're currently this wall behind me is a little bare because we're getting ready to start plotting out every single point for issue two. Um, and uh, it's just you know it's 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 a grind, but at the same time, like you know, we wouldn't be doing it if like we didn't really uh, just believe in the story, you know, and, and believe in the message that we're trying to put out
1: and there's a limited run for issue one as well so i would suggest folks if you want a copy of it i'm going to be tweeting this out as soon as we finish the recording um, and then this recording will go out a few days after that maybe a week or so after i would suggest you you get your copy now if you're if you're going to get it before they run out um there are digital copies available worldwide but i'm right in saying at the moment only ships to the us is that correct
0: Yes. Yeah, so right now it only ships to the US. And this is, again, because we're so small, we're figuring out logistics in terms of, you know, shipping overseas, uh, a digital version. And basically this version, we have 100 out. And this what this does is help us just build for the next issue. Right. So it helps us continue the series. And we, you know, like eventually we see this becoming like like a major run. So these issues we're hoping will appreciate in value and give something back to the community in terms of that way for people. Um, but it's just like, it's a very limited run. It's black and white. I honestly prefer black and white to the color, even though the color looks amazing. And then later down the road, we're going to have more of like a bigger release, hopefully. Uh, again, we're literally two guys trying to figure this out. It's our first graphic novel. So um, it's been kind of a learning experience. But at the same time, again, like we're, we're thrilled with the reception.
1: What what is the future of the project? Then we'll we'll come to John then for that for that one. What what is the grand plan that you get those hundred issues sold that helps you fund the next? It's a bit of a Kickstarter, a bit of a, a fundraiser because if people buy it and it's it helps you get the money to make the next ones, you can get more of them sent out. You can send it internationally. Where do you hope the project can go?
0: <laughs> so we we, uh, we should, probably shouldn't say this, but like we are having talks with people who um. Who are interested in the, the quote unquote the, the IP itself and they're interested in uh, translating into like the silver screen. So ultimately we do see this as like a movie, right? Uh, but until then, we uh, we're gonna do this right where it's you know a, a six issue run, possibly eight issues, and we're gonna tell the story from A to Z. And we're just gonna try to tell it as authentically as we can, you know, and again, we're just trying to make things that we want to see, that we want to read, and hopefully others do too. Um, and at the same time, kind of walk away with a little bit more understanding of, of like what happened in that time period, but a movie for sure, you know, that would yeah. be, uh, yeah. that would be, I'm, I I'm say, so tired of just the horrible UFO movies out there. Yeah.
1: John?
3: Uh, no, I'll just say, uh, agree, but in the sh- short term, and I, and I know Tom agrees with this too, it is about just making a great graphic novel um yeah. we also are nerds at heart and we also love graphic novels I, mean, I think that is part of why tom chose that medium um but uh but yeah uh certainly uh potentially onto bigger things in the future but uh but yeah it's just bootstrapping this thing so we can you know we really just uh it really is truly a passion project um and it's really about getting out those
1: issues um let me ask you in wrapping up uh we'll start with you john and then come to yourself tom if someone picks up their copy of estimate of the situation, they read through it and they kind of put it down to get a sip of their coffee. What do you want that one thing to be? They take away from it.
3: Um, I would say let's assume they're a skeptic like, Oh, maybe there's something here. I wonder what happens next. You know what I mean? so it's yeah. something that compels them not only enjoying the story, but also just a, a a light hook into maybe opening up their mind towards actually um, stepping into this phenomenon and joining us for the ride. You know basically they they want to join us on the ride to the mystery with us.
1: And yourself, Tom
0: I mean john John uh, nailed it like when he said, we we hopefully this will open people's minds up. To the phenomenon and to to kind of take it more seriously. Uh, But on the flip side, to those who are already familiar with it, you know, let's say they read the first issue and they put it down to drink their coffee. I want their first thought to be, I fucking knew it.
1: I like that. What I'm going to do, I'm going to get this straight onto uh, the premium feed. So if you pay for the podcast through Apple Podcast, any of that good stuff, Patreon, Spotify, etc., you'll be hearing this separate to the breakdown episode. So you're probably going to hear it at least a week in advance. So you lot go and get your copy of issue one while they still last. They might be gone by the time you hear this. Um, and then if you're hearing it on the breakdown, you definitely have even less time to get your copy. So make sure you do that and also get in there for issue two as well when it becomes available. I'll just ask to finish off, Tom and John, how can folks follow you, both of you, and how can they pick up the work as well?
0: Oh, so they can follow us on EOTS underscore comic on Twitter, uh, Instagram estimate of the situation, uh, and our website, blacktielabs.nyc. Um, and honestly, people use the hashtag estimate of the situation or hashtag EOTS when they do get their copy and just kind of like like say a couple words about it, whether you like it or you didn't, it helps us tremendously because at the, at this moment, you know, again, we're just two guys who kind of meet up in a coffee shop and then fucking spend like four hours going over documents to tell a story. So any, any word of mouth is appreciated.
1: Awesome, and both of you, listen. It'd be great to have you back on when issue two is launched. I can't wait to get my physical copy. I've read the digital copy; it's fantastic. It's it's a it's not a quick read in the sense that oh yeah, you can breeze through it, but it flies by. It's beautifully illustrated again by um, Ezekiel. So well done, great job on that. And both of you, it's it's really top work, uh, and you remind me of two young Graham Rendles, uh, if that's a compliment. I'm sure it is for many folks. So.
0: I love, I love Grant. I mean, yeah. we sent him the digital copy too, so I'm waiting for him to to give us his thoughts on it, because he's so historically uh, accurate in his own work, but um, I just have a question. Did you have a, a favourite scene that um, that like really set out for you?
1: Do you know what it was? It, and this is really odd, because I don't smoke, but any time you had the characters smoking, it just reminded me of like, the X-Files kind of scenes, and you know, towards <laughs> the end, with like the smoking man stuff, and I don't yeah. know if that was a deliberate thing or not, but it just it was like reading the x files in a watchmen type format when it comes to graphic novels so I liked that stuff I liked and again I could quote it because I've got it open here which is really bad I didn't really plan for you to ask me my favorite scene you know but um <laughs> or, or, right at the end uh, got I got straight to everyone' smoking yeah you know it was a, let me ask you then what's your assessment? And, you know, like I said, the man wasn't lying. He saw what he said he saw. And right now, I'm also listening to the audiobook of the First Secret Machines novel, uh, mm. Tom DeLong, uh, and, you know, all those guys. And they're both really striking and similar in that whole, the military background, what's going on. Yeah, we don't really know. Three-body problem stuff is kind of in my head as well. So I like that you've have taken that. they taken that approach of, you know, maybe the government don't know as much as they think they do. And yeah, they're they're still trying to, like you say, through their eyes, they're still trying to figure this out, which is a, a nice approach to take. And it also leaves open that, yeah, but what next? Which is always good both for you and for the for the reader as well. So yeah, top, top work. Um, well done, guys. Awesome,
0: man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm you just going to really shout out uh, one more person, Derry Fletcher, who does our covers. He's amazing. We found him off a of UFO Twitter. And it's just a, another thing where it's just like we got so much community support you know where it wouldn't have been possible without them and uh he's become so integral in our work and this is someone on UFO twitter that you know that we were in contact with and we hit up and he loved the project and the his covers have just been the triple a work you know we're we're very excited
1: yeah he's awesome, awesome. Listen, all those links you discussed before, you can buy it and how you can follow the guys and the work will be underneath the description to this podcast. So go check that out. Thanks for listening early. Thanks to those who listen on the breakdown as well. And make sure you go pick up your copy of Estimate of the Situation. Thanks again for coming on, guys, and speak to you soon. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it, man.
2: Baroque and quite steampunk like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window and when I shoved out the screen he made it an issue. I don't
3: think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a horribly.
0: upstairs the and there he was like you awake I was about
2: to abduct you cuz
0: I jumped back and nearly kissed myself and then I climbed out the window after the elf and I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything I helped out my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and I think I should take therapy and I don't know what it because it doesn't really scare me. Consider your space, consider your lies, consider your life.